Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. Now, they're a business that every parent holds dear, providing education, care, love, and some respite from our children. Crashes in Ireland come in various forms, from family run to businesses with multiple locations, providing care to thousands of children daily. But how has this sector changed and what pressures? do crash owners and operators now face. Joining me now for this week's industry review on crashes, I'm delighted to be joined by Paula Donoghue. She's the owner of Clever Clogs in Cavan. She's also the National Secretary of the Association of Childhood Professionals. Karen Clintz also joins us. She's the CEO of Tigers Childcare and the chairperson of Fingal County Childcare Committee. Also down in Cork, we're joined by John Bowman, He's the owner of Bell Childcare, and you're all very welcome to the programme. John, I might start with you, if you could give us a sense uh, of the business of running a crash. Uh, what's it like? Uh, what I know um, you maybe came from a different background, uh, and you're a man in a, in a woman's world. So can you tell us a little bit about your experience and your business indeed? Yeah, no problem, Bobby. Um, yeah, my, my wife, myself and my wife actually uh, own and run Bell down in Cork. We have uh, two locations and we came through to it from adult education. Both of us were in the English language teaching space for a number of years. And I suppose it, there, there's, a, there's a crossover because it's very much service driven and quality driven. And I suppose this is what um, we love about it. Uh, the, there's the opportunity to uh, impact positively so many young lives and form habits, good habits that these children can take on into further life and education. Um, it, it's, it's a real pleasure and privilege to do it. And as you said at the top, uh, parents are very grateful for the service that we provide. Um, you know, as far as the challenges, I suppose it's the same as everybody's experiencing at the moment, um, staff, recruitment, retention. And then if you do get the staff, trying to find accommodation for them is very challenging. And um, yeah, I suppose the landscape has changed in the last number of years as well, because the industry has become far more um, regulated and there's far more government money coming into our sector. Um, When I started, which was back in 2012, it was all parental fees. And the ECC scheme was in its infancy at that point. But over the last number of years, I suppose the biggest change that we've seen is the influence of government uh, with the different schemes that we now administer on their behalf. There's the National Child, the NCS, which is the National Child Care Scheme, which is a fabulous thing. And um, there's, the there's the ECCE and then there's various other schemes that we administer. And I'm going to bring in my other two guests now, John. But what you're saying is that the government has become the crash's biggest customer. And I think that maybe is one of the topics uh, of discussion here. Let's talk to Karen Clintz, uh, CEO of Tigers uh, Childcare. Karen, um, you've been in this business a long time. Um, would you echo what John says there? There are many positives, but there are certainly some challenges. Absolutely. I think um, I've been in the industry now coming on 22 years and there's been huge evolution um, across the board, particularly in the policy formation. So we now sit with national policies that make sure that all children in the country can have access to services. And along with that comes some funding. But I suppose to say 
they're our biggest customers wouldn't be true because about 25% of our income, our revenue line comes from government. But the problem is that for that 25%, they hold hostage the other 75%. But would that, but, and again, that would vary from crash to crash. Would I be right in saying yeah, that? Yeah. Or? It, it, Community crashes would have much more of their money, but they're, you know, if if the breakdown of services, it's an industry that's mostly run by private individuals. Okay, all right, okay. Um, Stay with Tell us a little bit about your own business before we talk to Paula. So I started in the after school space uh, as a young 21-year-old girl wanting to do something different. There was no real, I suppose, school-age childcare. Children were either had minders after school or they were going to crashes that weren't uh, for their age group. And so I started the first in-house after-school programme within the school space, did that for a number of years and grew out sites and then saw that I had something to add to the full daycare space and went into that. So as we are one of the larger um, multiples in Ireland, we now sit with 23 sites, a mix of all types of services. So in-school, after-school, in-school ECC, full full kind of all-day standalone centres and we're acquiring and we're growing. Sounds like a great business. It is. I love it. You have to be passionate about it to be in this space. With the ever-changing industry that it's in, you have to, I think, be positive, even in a space that sometimes is very negative, uh, and hope for the best. Yeah, but uh, I love it. I love what I do. Well, on that positive note, we'll slide over to Paula Donoghue from Clever Clogs in Cavan. Paula, you're very welcome to the programme. Thank you. Now, tell us a little bit about you and your business, if you would, and uh, then we look at some of the... The topic is around uh, childcare and crashes. Well, I started my business <coughs> in 2008 um, when I moved to Ballyconnell County Cavan and decided there was room for starting a small crash, which has grown year on year. Um, I got into it because I've always, I, I come from a background of teaching where I worked with um, in a special school for 16 years as a teacher. So for me, working with young children was my life's work. I love it. I'm passionate. It's a vocation. So starting the crash was a very natural evolution for me. And from the beginning, the first days in 2008, I would have had 20 children. Today I sit with about 180 children in the service in a small rural town. Thankfully, we've sailed on a very good reputation. And I can say I provide two lovely buildings. I have an amazing team who provide the reputation and it's not down to me. It's it's the girls they meet at the doors um, that have sailed us. We don't advertise. We don't have to advertise. People come to us both looking for work and um, to enrol children. Okay. So we're very, very lucky. OK. Um, maybe back to you then, John, in, in terms of uh, the, the business model. Um, I think you said that under the age of three, crashes don't make money. Uh, you say preschool is viable. So do you do you find that certain models, clearly commercially anyway, are more attractive than others? Yes, that that's definitely the case, and that's that's reflected in in the shortage and and the, the shrinking number of places available for the under under threes nationally. Um, the it, it's 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 challenging to providing care for the under threes because the ratios are. Um, uh, lower and um, for example if you're doing under 12 months it's uh, three to one and then five to one for the over 12s is that 12 three months. staff to one baby no sorry excuse me it's uh, one staff member 
to three babies. Okay. Um, but you can um, see I haven't so, been in a crash for a few years. <laughs> no, but uh, the, the the staffing is one part of it. But the other the other part for the under trees is the amount of ancillary space that's required to provide the sleep rooms, the the changing facilities, the toilets, the kitchens. Um, a lot of your floor space is given over to non-profit making activities. Now, it's essential to support um, those age groups. But then as you transition into the over threes, it bec- the ratios are more favorable and um, it, it, it's, it's a more profitable model. But the, the effect that is having is that, as I said, the spaces for the smaller children are, are, are vanishing. Now, we thought last year with the introduction of core funding, which finally acknowledged the, the costs associated with, with, with looking after the smaller children, we thought that um, finally the government were recognizing this. And there was, there was, I suppose, a sigh of relief uh, among our sector, kind of going, finally, this has been acknowledged. But 12 months on, unfortunately, the, the momentum is gone and that, that funding seems to have uh, disappeared. Um, and we're again left, left looking at the under threes kind of going, it's very, very hard. And I know it's callous and it, to, to, to speak about profit in this space. But ultimately, as Karen said, I mean, we are private individuals. And if we are going to grow and maintain capacity in this sector, we have to be profitable and we have to be seen to be profitable. Um, and it, you're, that's you're speaking the challenge to the converted moment. there, John, in terms of, <laughs> I never, you know, you should never be embarrassed to talk about profit because if you don't make profit, you go out of business and you seek, seek to cease to exist. So don't ever be afraid, I think, to talk about profit. It's not a, it's not a dirty word. Um, Karen. It is a dirty word and it's always, we in the media, we get lashed around with the word profit and childcare and really and truly we have to operate viable businesses and unfortunately Well, well you're not going to be lambasted or lashed here. Uh, <laughs> this is the media. Like, it's a, it's a common fact that if you don't make profit, you, you cease to trade. Yeah. So, and like, regardless of if you're private or public, <clears throat> even if this was yeah. publicly run, it would still have to be sustainable. Of course it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of course it does. Back to you, Karen. Um, just I'm, I'm trying to only get my head around the various models within the crash. Uh, and as John was alluding to there, there's different funds for different things yes. and different supports from, from government. So it, could some crashes maybe be guilty then of cherry-picking what suits the business model but may not suit the parent? Yeah, absolutely. It does happen. Like in the industry as a whole, it's made up of a number of different providers. So you have what sessional preschools that run for 38 weeks of the year that provide the free preschool service and that's for three hours a day. And some of those services might run, you know, two classes. They might run a morning and an afternoon class or what you, you what you sometimes see is someone that runs a, a sessional preschool in the morning and they might have after school in the afternoon in the same building. Um, you can have standalone after schools as well. And then you have full day care services um, that will offer, you know, full day care services for younger children right up. Uh, and th- those are, the funding for them can be, you know, can be different. And I suppose people do choose. As an industry, we sit top heavy in the smaller services. Right. So there's a lot more sessional services. So to give you an idea of Fingal, where I, you know, I'd be okay with the figures, um, we sit with about 400 services and over 250 of those are sessional. So there's not as many full daycare services for parents. And the difficulty there is working parents that need to go back to work need full daycare services. Okay. And also what you're sitting in, you're sitting with national policy now. So you have the affordable childcare scheme and the affordable childcare scheme is tiered. 
So if you're a low-income family under earning under €60,000, you get a substantial amount of your fees paid. And I suppose the reason that policy is in place is to try and get people back to employment or training. Yeah. Um, so there's a real need for more full daycare spaces. <clears throat> but actually, a lot of providers don't want to take that on because it's not profitable okay. enough for them to do it. Okay. Uh, back to you, Paula. Um, in terms of, you know, dealing with... I suppose somebody's prize possession, uh, the most important thing to anybody in their lives, their child. Uh, it must be, you know, you must get all sorts of pressures in terms of uh, my little Johnny this or that, or, uh, you know, dealing with somebody's, you know, I suppose somebody's absolute adored child. Uh, is, does that bring added pressure to the sector? When I opened the crash, I had my own son in as a child, so I always looked at the crash that I was operating from a parent's point of view. Yeah. We've a really open door policy with our parents and work very collaboratively, which sounds all fluffy and lovely, but it's in reality, it really, really works. Parents have my mobile number. They can contact me. We would always make time to discuss with them. And I think it's fostered really good, trusting relationships. We start in the beginning when they come in as babies and we phase, but we phase with the parent on the premises. Yeah. So the parent gets to meet every member of staff. So when the time that parent goes back to work after maternity leave, they're walking away knowing their gold bar is what I describe them as is in very safe hands and the parent is going confidently back to work because they know they have the right place sought for their child. I think if you build on a relationship through the years through preschool on into after school you build on a very trusting relationship yeah. and it's based on being very, very open with parents. Yeah, good to well said. Um, John, back to you in terms of you mentioned it there earlier um, the ability to attract and retain uh, staffing in the sector. Um, what are the big challenges there? Is it that, you know, you might get somebody in with a particular qualification, you train them up, and then they get poached by the HSE? Or uh, where do you lose them to? Um, uh, oh, wow, where do I start? Yeah, I mean, I, I, this is the thing. I mean, oh, there, there are fabulous courses out there now delivering... Um, up to level eight and nine in childcare all over the country. And there's loads of very qualified, and, and as Paula said, this is a vocation, so you need the caring aspect of it. So there are lots of courses producing fabulous uh, childcare practitioners and teachers. The problem is in our sector, our, our days are long. Um, as you said, there's a lot of responsibility. There's a lot of administrative requirements um, and the pay really doesn't reflect that, unfortunately. And so that, that's that's a big, con big concern. And it, it, so we're losing people. We're losing people to to Dubai and the UEA in places. We're losing them to uh, the primary schools. The, there's a big brain drain going on with the into the primary school sector, into special needs assistance. Um, I suppose, I mean, from, as from a career and an advancement piece, you, you're, you're looking at it and you're saying, how far can I, if, if you're young and going into childcare, how, how far can I get in the sector? And as Karen said, the, we're top heavy with small providers. So the opportunity for advancement isn't there as much. Um, but within larger organisations, there is the opportunity to to progress and move into management. But a lot of our staff um, don't stick with us that long. And and even if you paid people more, John, would it be? Would you still have the same attrition? Like, 
you you know, you pay someone more, you charge more. Clearly, there's a limit to what you can do in terms of what you can charge. But, like, people are probably relatively au fait with, par- with paying what they consider is a high enough charge. And I'm not arguing that you don't give value for money. But, in other words, if you put up the rates, you could pay people more. But that may not solve the problem. No, but what we would be looking, I mean, if you, if you could get to a point where, where the, the wage reflected the work and, and allowed people to, to, to plan, you know, if you could go in and get a mortgage on the back of it, these things would, would go a long way to retaining our staff. Um, I mean, it's not all about pay. I mean, there are numerous other things, for example, when we have uh, gone and sought a lot of accommodation for our staff in Cork, because accommodation is a huge issue down here. Yeah. Um, and you can also look on, you, you know, how, how you how you um, how you frame the day. For example, we have everybody gets a half day during the week. I mean, we try not to go over 40 hours so that people are we try and keep it to about 38, 39 hours so that people don't burn out. So there, there's other ways of doing it. But what ultimately you would want would be that for these highly trained individuals coming out of college that they would see parity with other sectors that you mean if they could go into nursing go into primary teaching okay. um, that there would be parity there then you would you know you you'd, you'd stand a much better chance of retaining retaining people okay. because as paula said it's a wonderful job okay uh, karen i, I yeah. think that is the big thing i fully believe people would stay in their roles if they were paid correctly um the people, because the industry has evolved, so a number of years ago, everyone had to train. They had to go back to train. That takes a lot of dedication. So what we do is we, we're sitting now with a sector with really qualified individuals who are not being paid enough to stay there. Uh, they're not enticed to be in the sector. And you wouldn't work in the sector if you're not being paid enough unless you really were passionate about what you were doing. Or if you could be paid the same amount uh, for less uh, work or less hassle somewhere else. Yeah, uh, but this isn't a job that's like, like less hassle and less work. The people that are in this industry are in it because they just love the children that they're with. Mm-hmm. And the reason we do exit interviews with mm-hmm. all anyone leaving and ask them why they're leaving and the vast majority of people that are leaving this sector are leaving because they actually can't afford to stay working within the sector. Yeah. Um, and that's a real issue. Like you need three things for good quality childcare. You need really qualified people that are sticky because they have to make really good relationships with the children that they're going to be there. They're ha- for children's best well-being, they have to be the same carers looking after them day yeah. in, day out. You need really good quality premises, both for the children to be safe in, also for the qualified people to be able to work in. And then you need individualised care. So you need to understand families. You need to be able to support them. You need to be able to support people. They're the three things you need. Okay. And that costs a lot of money. Yeah, and... Paula, there's, there's 97 services have closed this year, uh, which seems like a really negative indictment on the sector. Um, is there any way of reversing that, in your view? I think there is, but I think it's going to require government coming to table. I think it, currently at the moment, they're kind of blind, deaf and dumb to the issues that we're ra- raising with them. There are stakeholders. I think they need to get into emergency talks with these stakeholders to see how can they reverse this exodus? How can they stop closures that are being threatened upon them? The, it's go down to a simple thing and sadly it's down to funding. When we took on our new core funding, which John spoke about, uh, core funding was brought in 2022. You were locked into a particular price, is that it? And you, it, it hasn't really, I'm not trying to short circuit it, but you, you've been locked into a price 
regardless of inflation and Absolutely. other costs that you have You had there. the perfect storm because the core mm. funding was not reflective of the in, a huge hike in, in inflation that faced every business in this country, let's face it. But then we had the second where our hands were tied behind our back. We had a fee freeze and a lot of us have fees that are dating back to 2017. Okay. So you have a funding crisis in the sector. It and requires government to get to table fast. And this, this strike action that's now proposed uh, by the uh, Federation of Early Childhood Providers on the 26th, 27th, 28th of this month, is that a good idea? That's surely going to discommode a huge number of parents and indeed children. I think, I think when we talk about the closures uh, that the Federation are proposing, I think it, this is urgent for the government. There's only one, one body here that can actually stop this and that is the government. Get around the table, get dialogue going, get get in there and get some solutions to the table. It's up to the government. The government are aware this is coming about and if the, he, the government doesn't want children, families and actually the wider economy affected by closures of crashes they need to get into urgent talks and there's no point in sitting there with your, you know, your head in the sand. And okay. The their issue, responsibility. Yeah, there's a massive issue around, um, the, there's, you know, partnership is constantly being swung around but there's actually mm-hmm. no real partnership. They're sitting with a load of data that, that, you know, every time you knock on the door and say, look, please, can we openly discuss with you? As we know about you? partnerships, Karen, there has to be something in it for everybody. Absolutely. So. But there's no there's no listening and the data is out of date. To give you an idea, you know, I sit in the board of Fingal um, and we got a list of services last week in and they um, they told us 21 of those services that were on their list is open are closed. They don't oh. operate. So their data is incorrect. Okay. Yes. Well, look, on that uh, unfortunately negative note we'll have to leave it there I want to thank my guests Paula Donahue owner of Clever Clogs and Cavan Karen Clintz of CEO of Tigers Childcare and John Bowman owner of Bell down there in Cork thank you all very much for your time and wishing you well in what is a, a great industry but one with a few challenges which I hope you'll collectively resolve thank you thank you, thank you. thanks Bobby Down to Business with Bobby Kerr Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.